Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Um, every week I say I'm excited about my guest, and I really am. As you know, I only bring, bring on guests that I really uh, feel a connection with, respect, their work has touched me in some way, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to jam with. And so today... I have not met the individual I'm about to bring on, uh, but in some way, shape or form, probably unbeknownst to him, he has touched my life. He's inspired me in some way without even knowing. Probably I didn't even know till, till, re- till more recently over the last few years. Um, from a very young age, as, as many of you know, I was deeply into meditation and spirituality and consciousness. I first started meditating at age eight. Um, when I was about 12, I picked up a book called The Art and Science of Being in London and felt very connected to this book and didn't fully understand it from a you know, conscious level. But at the depth of my being, there was something about the words of this book in The Art and Science of Being that really impacted me, a book by the amazing Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And my guest today is the head of the International Transcendental Meditation Organization, which is in over 100 countries from the Americas to Asia to Europe to Africa. Uh, I started TM when I was about 14 uh, after reading The Art Science of Being. My guest today is a medical doctor trained at Harvard, MIT in neuroscience. Um, he is Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's successor, which uh, I'm very, that's why I'm really excited about uh, speaking to him. I mean, from, from a very young age, I always wanted to meet Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So for me, it's perhaps uh, the closest thing to it. And uh, we're going to be diving in, exploring so many uh, topics today. Uh, his new book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, uh, a bestseller, been highly acclaimed by many folks from around the world. Welcome to Soul Talk, the amazing Dr. Tony Nader. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for your time and for your audience to be with us today. Thank you for coming on. I I have so many questions I want to ask you, uh, but I do want to just start, especially for those that may not be familiar with you specifically. Um, I'm, I'm curious about how you got started in this field of more specifically spirituality uh, connected to TM and Maharishi and and, and Vedic knowledge and how, how did that come about? I know you're trained in, in Harvard and MIT as a scientist, neuroscience. And so how did the spiritual uh, piece come into play and how did that develop and connect? In many ways, it is like you uh, could. So this was really um, a search for more in life, a search to develop my full potential and mm. to face situations and circumstances that arise. 
And I heard about this simple technique that is innocent, that doesn't require any change in belief or any change in, in life or anything, but yet allows you to develop your full values. And so I tried it and it was so uh, deep within me, uh, so useful, so practical that I kept practicing it even as I was studying medicine and then got wow. specialization and went on to all these values. And uh, later on did research on it and was lucky to be with Marishi and work on the knowledge that has brought this to light. And he then uh, gave me these responsibilities. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you talk about one unbounded ocean of consciousness. Uh, for those listening in, what do you mean by consciousness when you say consciousness? Consciousness is that aspect which allows us to be conscious. Um, so consciousness is very, very intimate to us and is primordial in our life. With, without consciousness, we cannot experience, we cannot dream, mm. we cannot experience life or even live it uh, for that matter as something that has value. And so consciousness, even though it's kind of a screen on which all the movie of life takes place, it is really very essential for uh, life and living. And uh, awareness, this is in the sense of awareness. Awareness can be limited, can be narrow, or can be broad. Usually we think of consciousness as either you are awake or you're not awake. You're yes. conscious of things or you're not conscious of them. But in fact, uh, consciousness has dimensions. Mm. So that is a brief <laughs> what consciousness is. When you say consciousness has dimensions, can you explain? In yes. terms of dimensions, are there like different levels of, in terms of dimensions? Like, give me a bit more of what yeah, you Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, only, the best way to explain is to take an example. If one is under stress and uh, facing a situation of tension or a problem, then usually our awareness narrows down, which means we focus on the subject at hand. And that is reaction from our physiology, our functioning of the nervous system, in order to be able to take care of dangers that might happen within a short period of time. We grew up with this as having developed in the jungle, let's say, and then there were you know, threats, and these threats had to be uh, attended to either flight or fight, so mm -hmm. either run away or fight the situation. And in that sense, consciousness narrows down so that we can focus very sharply. Uh, unfortunately, when this happens, the upper part of our nervous system are not favored, and we don't have any more broad comprehension. Um, this is a survival value under stress and strain and danger, but it's also in our modern life where there is a requirement for broad comprehension, for thinking of different variables and different options, these things get shut down. So it's as if our nervous system is using only one small part of its capacity 
and it leaves all the other parts uh, unattended to. Now, what happens with growth in consciousness is the ability to maintain broad comprehension, yet at the same time be able to focus very sharply. That is most ideal because then we have broader vision and the ability to, to make ability to make choices that are not restricted and narrow in the vision. So this is an example to show that awareness can be broad or can be narrow. Even when we are tired, for example, we haven't slept well at night. You wake up, the mind is tired, we are dull a little bit, a small problem overwhelms us. This is because we are just overtaken by the problem and our experience of the self, our experience of possibilities narrows down. If we are rested and calm and clear in our mind, then even big problems and let alone small problems, they are seen from a broader perspective and we see solutions to them. So this ability to see more than just limited values, the ability to see more solutions, the ability to see more possibilities is an indication that the awareness is broader. So we have our nervous system, it has information, it has ability to sense things through our senses, but it can be either narrow or broad. So in this sense, we are saying that consciousness can be broader. And of course, there are, when we go deeper, there are higher states of consciousness, uh, you know, transcendence and, and these values that open the awareness to deep levels of truth in life and understanding. Can you share a bit more about the highest states of consciousness and how we can begin to access them? Uh, yes. The, let's say when we say higher, we have to say we are comparing it to what? And we compare it to the three major known states of consciousness, mm. which are deep sleep, dreaming, and waking state. So these are usually the states that we know. Mm. Uh, a normal situation. Now, there are altered states that come from, you know, damage to the nervous system or drugs or hallucinations or things like that. These are on the medical kind of side, on the mm. abnormal kind of side. Now, on the major states, therefore, deep sleep has its own characteristics mentally on the experiential level. We are asleep, so we're not aware of much. Uh, the body can be aware of the environment, but not our entire awareness is there. So that's, we can say, very small uh, level of awareness. And then we have the dream state where we have illusionary awareness and we have a physiological changes that happen uh, also during uh, this state that are different than deep sleep. And then waking state gives us uh, access to the environment in a special way. And we are there experiencing the outer world as a changing world. In the 1970s, Dr. Wallace at UCLA and others that followed him have done research on what we call transcendental consciousness, which is a state of consciousness that is beyond the surface value of awareness, which means it is not focused on 
outer objects through the senses, but you go inside yourself, you transcend through transcendental meditation, as you beautifully said, you have experienced and I have also practiced all these years. And what you do is you see your mind settling down and experiencing more quiet levels of awareness till you transcend, which means you go beyond uh, thoughts, beyond outer experience, but yet you are awake. So this state has a characteristic of deep rest, which is even deeper than sleep. So it's very profound rest, yet wakefulness. You are not asleep. You are very awake, very alert, and not awake on any particular level, you're awake on to own your own self, your own pure consciousness, your own being. And that is really the true meaning of know thyself. You know thyself to be unbounded, unlimited, absolute. Whereas the outer values are always changing and changing and changing. So to gain that experience inwards gives great stability and clarity and ability then, as we said, to deal with situations and circumstances in a sharp way, ability to focus sharply, but maintaining broad comprehension. So this broad comprehension comes from the nervous system working as a whole, the whole physiology being balanced, at the same time, the ability to concentrate and focus. So it does have something on the level of experience. The experience is different, but also on a physiology. The physiology is different. There is a different physiological status that happens. And this is why we can really say it's a different state of functioning of the nervous system and the physiology, and therefore a different uh, layer of consciousness, which is broader, deeper, and more expanded. I just would like some clarity on something. Consciousness... Does consciousness evolve or is consciousness unchanging? Could you? This is a very, very excellent point. Yes. And in fact, one unbounded ocean of consciousness takes us through the story of consciousness itself. Mm. Uh, and the story of consciousness in creation, the story of consciousness in manifestation, consciousness evolving through the different species, and even in our human awareness, consciousness evolving. So even as humans, we think that we have either consciousness in the waking state or we don't have it. But in fact, consciousness evolves and consciousness grows and consciousness broadens. And it has this way, it gains depths and it gains uh, ability to take into account more variables than others. It's like the knower, which is ourself, uh, is the container of knowledge. So information that we get and knowledge that we get depends on our ability to have knowledge. And if we try to force information and force knowledge on a nervous system, on a physiology, on a brain, on a awareness that is narrow because it's stressed or tired or not functioning optimally, then you cannot put or allow it to have so much knowledge or information. Mm -hmm. If you broaden the awareness, so consciousness actually grows, 
and it grows, you know, we can say like a muscle that gets stronger through practice of muscle <laughs> and consciousness through exposing itself to uh, its own unbounded reality, then it leads to a stabilization of more and more awareness, greater ability, and therefore broader comprehension. If we want to discuss it like in terms of what's happening in the nervous system, it's easier maybe to understand it. Yes, please. The nervous system is like having unlimited, I mean, not so unlimited. There's a huge number of processors, like computer processors. Mm. And these processors can either work with slow speed or a higher effectiveness, higher speed to process things. This is one level. Another level, they could work independently one from the other, or they can work together and therefore work in harmony, work in connection with each other. It's like having a supercomputer and the supercomputer in order to process things in the most effective way. It has many, many processors. And, you know, in computer system, they call this parallel processing. So when some event is being analyzed, it's analyzed from the different processors that work together in a harmonious way. And that is how you can have fast results and fast processing of very difficult problems with supercomputers. In the same way, our nervous system, if it is isolated values that are analyzing the situation at hand or your situation in life, your plans in the future, your relationships and all of that, then when there is stress or strain or even if one is not, you know, fully rested, fully awake, And in some cases, even if one is fully awake, but has still some stresses from before, from, you know, lifetime experiences of stress and strain, that creates actually blocks in the nervous system that prevent these processors to work optimally and also prevent them from working together because there are blocks like that in the nervous system. Mm. So what research has shown on transcendental meditation is that when people actually dive deep within themselves, they open the reserves of the brain, they have wider comprehension, and it is shown uh, in the electroencephalography of the brain that there is opening of the coherence and connectedness between the right side with the left side, the front and the back, and this expansion of uh, coherence in the brain is an indication that the brain is working as a whole. So then we can say, in a practical level, this is how we use our full potential. Our full potential is not something uh, esoteric or some nice philosophical idea. It's really we have this potential in our nervous system and we can develop it and open its reserves and allow the brain to work as a whole like the supercomputer that can analyze things more effectively and faster if all its processors work together in harmony. And that's what really happens. So when we say broadening awareness is not on just a mental, emotional level, it's on a real level of actual mind and body coordination and Mm -hmm. 
opening up of all the reserves and the connectedness between the different parts. Got it. Got it. Powerful. And so you, you've mentioned the word, obviously, meditation. We're talking about TM, transcendental meditation. Uh, just uh, as those are listen, those folks that are listening in, uh, meditation has become very popular in the West today. Um, things like calm apps and, uh, you know, headspace and things that help relax the mind, the visualization. Could you just, as a side note, but, but I think it's important, I'd love for you to just define or, or just clarify when you say meditation, like what is meditation? What is, what is real meditation? Because many folks say, well, have told me, could I, I can't meditate. It's too hard. I, I'm doing it wrong. I, I don't know the right way to meditate. It's not for me. And so when we say meditation, can you clarify what you mean? Yes, the term meditation as a whole is, means something that deals with the mind, really. Mm. And that when you are, rather than on the physical level, uh, you are doing exercise or on the physical level, one is eating food, diet, uh, or like this, uh, these are levels of activities that are on the physical level. But if you uh, attend, put your attention, which means on rather than the outer levels uh, of exercise and food and business and relations and all that, you put your attention on your mind, which means you, your mind is the... Uh, resource is the guiding uh, direction, the guiding light, and you use it in one way or the other to direct your attention to aspects of the mind, then we can call this broadly meditation. And therefore, how do you do it? There is huge number of styles of meditation. So you can have meditation means, let me direct the mind to my breathing. Although the breathing is physical, but your mind, your attention is on the breathing. So you feel the breathing, you feel the breath coming in and out, uh, or that is, you know, one aspect. Or maybe you focus on something. Some people like to focus on the tip of the nose or on a, mm -hmm. on a light of a candle or on an object. And that is a kind of meditation because you are kind of guiding the mind to focus on something. You can have meditation where you tell the mind to observe the thoughts and therefore you sit there and this called open monitoring. You just try to have a, a neutral influence or neutral effectiveness on the thoughts and the thoughts are floating there and you don't try to get involved in their meaning and like that or in their uh, you know, even if you're involved in their meaning, you try to convince yourself that this is just a thought and that my feeling is not there. So this is some kind of meditation. Another kind can be, you know, uh, technically contemplation, which is also a kind of meditation where you take a proverb, for example, or a word, even just simple words like love, what is love, and you sit and think about it uh, and like that. So there are all these techniques. Mm. Transcendental meditation is really different from, from this kind of meditation because it's transcending, which means it's going beyond. It's not being on the level of manipulating the mind one way or the other, neither forcing it, nor guiding it, nor modifying it. 
And this is because the mind uh, has a natural tendency. And the natural tendency of the mind is to go for more in life. You know, when we think about ourselves, we always want more love, more happiness, more fullness, more uh, beautiful things to see, uh, more power, more wealth. It's mm. a nature of life to go for more and more and more, mm. mainly more charm and more happiness. So the mind is searching for more all the time, but it's searching for more on the outside. Mm. And even though these different kinds of meditations uh, guide the mind to different things, it's really still kind of outside values. Mm. What we want is in transcendental meditation is to go truly within. And since the inside, our true inner deep self is the unbounded ocean of consciousness, this is where our creativity comes from, from within ourselves, mm. our intelligence, our display of uh, artistic or scientific or mechanical, technical uh, qualities and abilities. All of this comes from within ourselves. Mm. And we don't have usually contact with that deep self. We are floating as if on the surface of the ocean of the mind mm. and the waves of the mind. Now, when we take the inward direction, the mind guided by its own nature dives deep within mm. because it is the most charming level of being. And therefore, this transcendental meditation is the most natural technique because you don't manipulate the mind. You don't try to move the mind somewhere, you just let it go inside. But as you know, there is a technique to do it and you have to learn this technique in a specific way so that the mind keeps diving and rather mm -hmm. than being, you know, attracted by other things where, you know, there is a technique of what to do if thoughts come, what to do if sleep comes, what to do beyond the feelings, beyond the outer, beyond everything. Where do you go? To yourself your inner deep self and you discover that self as being a place of infinite silence and peace and harmony and stability and so you come out of it very established and strong established in yourself and now you can perform action from a platform that is a solid platform of strength and uh, intelligence and ability to perform dynamically in the outside world. Beautiful, beautiful. Gosh, so many questions for you. My, my, my mind is going in 18 directions uh, <laughs> in a good way. In terms of consciousness, maybe you can speak to this, provide some guidance. Um, there's meditation. What's also becoming very popular in our culture today, uh, psychedelics. You know, I guess in the 60s and the resurgence of psychedelics for the uh, said use of, let's say, uh, the evolution of consciousness, the expansion of consciousness, spiritual uh, kind of a spiritual practice, uh, ayahuasca, DMT, uh, uh, LSD, bufo. And so I would love to hear your uh guidance your 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 advice your perspective on uh what effect the psychedelics have because i see a lot of people doing them 
um, with the intention of, of evolving. Uh, what effects do psychedelics have from your observation, from your research, from your perspective in our brain, in our nervous system, and in our spiritual evolutionary process? Is it helpful? Does it, is, it, is, is there a place for it? Do you, does it have, um, is, is it more detrimental? Does it kind of slow us down in our evolution? Um, because I know I have friends that swear by it. They say, like, no, this is, this is, this is it. You know, I'm doing my ceremonies. And, and yet then I've seen folks that have really dived into that realm. Uh, and that is their spiritual practice. And, and they swear by it on, on their side. But I've seen many folks uh, become seemingly less coherent and less grounded and in their body and, and, and just losing their ability to function in this world. And so would love your, your perspective and guidance. See, mind and body are intimately connected. And therefore, what happens in the mind influences the body. What happens in the body influences the mind. Mm. Psychedelics, they give a brief experience of a different reality kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people who are in stress and strain and complications in life and have seen only the changing value and all of that, when they, you know, when they take uh, uh, drugs or different kind of medicines or whatever, psychedelics, they might have moments of a flash of a different experience. So that different experience gives at least the taste of reality being different uh, and therefore that there is there is a new dimension to reality we do know that in dream for example during even simple dreaming we can live realities that are extraordinary and but we wake up and we realize them they are not real they are illusionary and they are not applicable in the day to day living Taking such medicines or drugs uh, leading to experiences, uh, can, it can be understood why people feel this is something spiritual because they're not looking for something physical and they discover some colors or some dimensions for a brief moment that tells them that maybe reality is not just what my nervous system is showing me, and I'm tweaking my nervous system, so it shows me something else. Unfortunately, this is, has many side effects and side problems. Mm-hmm. And that is when it is not holistic, it's not complete, these uh, chemicals, they change the functioning of the nervous system in a way that makes it uh, dependent on them. And it, uh, you know, what we call in science, upregulates or downregulates certain neurotransmitters and the functioning of the nervous system. And they create changes, uh, physical even, you know, physically uh, computed in the nervous system uh, that are uh, imbalanced. And the reason is uh, the nervous system's chemicals are very complex and one chemical can do something uh, but can harm a lot of other things at the same time and can create this dependence because the stresses, the strains, the problems are not removed. They are camouflaged 
and there is a moment of uh, experience uh, that is, uh, you know, going to a hidden value uh, of, of the nervous system uh, that leads to maybe inspiration for a moment or great feeling for a moment. Mm. But then the result of it afterwards is very deleterious over, uh, you know, uh, repeated experiences. So from my perspective, uh, it is not to be uh, encouraged. Uh, it is not to be used as a truly spiritual process uh, mm. of evolution. What is most important is to go back to the self, remove the stresses and the strains by gaining deep rest, because some of these, they create high excitation in certain areas of the brain, uh, but on the background of uh, uh, activity rather than on the background of deep restfulness. And therefore, the coherence in the brain, the connectedness between the different parts of the brain can be even damaged and uh, can be imbalanced. And therefore, there is a big risk of... Uh, serious illness and uh, as we know drugs can lead to addiction and can lead to mortality can lead to problems in the nervous system and they are very difficult sometimes to rehabilitate mm. so i i feel you know the trend that is happening about using medical or chemical aspects to help us uh, you know, adjust or remove tensions or experience something else is not at all necessary and it can be very damaging. If we use a natural thing that is our own ability of our own nervous system to actually create chemicals and secrete chemicals and balance them in the nervous system itself from a holistic perspective where we are very settled down, very uh, peaceful, very coherent rather than incoherent, uh, then it is, of course, uh, a million times better and much more effective over long term for good results in activity, in performance, in success in life. And so, you know, this is the, the very important value also, not just to be taking drugs and feeling great, but then become, as you say, uh, you have seen some becoming incoherent or withdrawn from society and mm -hmm. unable to function properly. Mm. Great, great. Um, another question that I, I would love you to shed some light on, just your thoughts. Um, been pondering the, the theme of reincarnation and uh, been having lots of conversations with folks and um, would love to hear your thoughts on reincarnation, what you feel about it, um, especially as it relates to consciousness, right? And if there is such a thing as reincarnation, um, what is it that continues into another life in terms of consciousness? Well, what is it that continues into another life? Because there's been moments where uh, I feel like I've met someone before or, you know, I've had certain kind of flashbacks. And so I guess is it an individual consciousness that continues? Is it, 
you, you, you kind of get what I'm, what I'm getting at. It's, it's a little hard for me to formulate the question, but I'm curious, um, what is it that continues from lifetime to lifetime as it relates to consciousness we're talking about? Uh, I do address this in the book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. And um, basically, actually, reincarnation happens to us every moment. Mm. Because every moment of life is a new moment of experience. Mm. And in these moments of experience, although we feel the sense of continuity of the self, there is always a rebirth. Something happens and we are new again and something other happens and we are new again. That's how we grow. Mm. Change in the field of relativity is a natural thing. It's part of the essence of manifestation and life. And these reincarnations are happening every moment of our life uh, when we experience something and, and we are going back kind of to to the self, almost dying and living again. And so every change has its own value. Every transformation has its own value. You know, there is a French poet who said that um, uh, to to leave uh, or to go or to part from your friends or from your loved ones is like to die a little bit for them. Yes. And then he says, to die is like to live a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, the reality is when we sleep and we wake up, we have rejuvenated ourselves. We are not the same. So you can say this is a transformation. But of course, within a lifetime, we have, uh, you know, the sense of continuity of the self, even though it is changing mm-hmm. and many things are growing and changing. But when we meet death, then we feel as if what is going on? That's the mystery of what is going to happen afterwards. And of course, this is what you are asking about rather than these moments. Mm. But that really is the continuity is of life. You know, it depends on your belief system. And I try to avoid going into things that are religious in that sense. Mm. But... You know, I can give one example in terms of logic. Mm. Um, and that is, you know, these, uh, these computer games, of course, that uh, people play and like first shooter games and all of that. And you go into the game and you play the game. And then uh, let's say you don't know how to deal with it. And then you are, you are killed in the game. Mm. And mm. so what you do is you start over the game again and now you play it having known something more from before Mm. so you can uh, play it better and this time you maybe pass a few more steps and then again something you don't know you didn't pay attention you didn't do well and then you get killed again and then you reboot the game and you start over again Mm. it makes sense you know if somebody creates a game where the first time you die, you can't start over again. <laughs> Nobody will buy the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, if it is a game, if life is a game, it's better be kind of giving us a second chance and a third chance. Mm-hmm. And in this way, we can see how reincarnation um, mm. can be explained. Mm. Got it. Got it. You know, uh, we've been going through some 
some intense times on planet Earth in the last year. Um, and I see, you know, even before this last year, so many folks suffering in some way. And, you know, I, I think I, I read somewhere Maharishi Meshyogi was talking about life is bliss. And I remember when I first read that, it really it, it struck something in me uh, as so, I don't know, so essential, so true. And yet, when I look at the world and what so many folks are going through on a daily basis, I mean, you know, losing their jobs, uh, abuse, sexual, mental, emotional, pain, physical, uh, mental health issues. I mean, it, it feels like uh, breakups, relationships falling apart. It feels like there's so much suffering on the planet. And um, I would love for you to speak to that. Is, is suffering necessary on the spiritual path? Even in some sort of spiritual traditions, it seems like suffering is, is sometimes glorified. You know, I look at you know, St. Teresa of Avila or this person, they suffered and Jesus suffered on the cross. And so the more we suffer, the more spiritual it is. And so um, is suffering necessary on the spiritual path? Can we grow without suffering? And, ha and, and how can we grow without suffering? Because sometimes it seems as though unless we suffer as human beings, we sometimes don't either hit rock bottom or have the motivation to change. Suffering might have, of course, it must have, it's, it does have its significance. Um, it is there for some reason. And this is actually one of the main questions that led me to myself search for these answers about why is it all like that? What is the purpose of it? Mm. You know, I said that when I learned transcendental meditation, I was in medical school, but then there was a civil war around me and everything collapsed. And, you know, children were suffering. Uh, there was deaths that were so unjustified on the surface level as if it was chaos and all of that. And so these are big questions. This is one of the biggest questions that face us in life. And um, if things have a reason to be, then maybe suffering has a reason to be. But it doesn't mean it is necessary. None of us likes to suffer. And so the nature of life is always to want more and more and more. However, uh, suffering is there and it can happen. What does it do to us? It might wake us up. It might uh, cause us to uh, change direction. It might cause us to realize there is something wrong and then move on to a different level. So it is how we deal with it that is important. But uh, that it would be just necessary in any case uh, is not uh, the reality. It's not what, uh, what life is made for or is uh, in its purpose. However, um, and I discussed this in the book, uh, the freedom, we have freedom. And our ability to choose allows us to make choices that uh, can lead to something that is not so evolutionary for us. And there comes the sign or the, the indication that one has to adjust and therefore you get a certain aspects of 
nature that are uh, telling you to maybe wake up and get over it and change and go in a direction that is better. So when suffering comes, uh, it has its logic, it has its importance. Uh, it, it lead, we have to know how to deal with it. We have to know how you know, uh, to carry our cross as, you know, maybe the Christians say, and uh, now we are in the period of Easter. Uh, and therefore there is that, as you said, suffering on the cross. And therefore there is a reason why one can, uh, can experience it and one can go over it and how one can live through it uh, makes a difference. Uh, Therefore, when it comes, uh, there is a requirement to deal with it, and there is a possibility to grow through it. But uh, if it is necessary, it is not necessary, because if we act and think, and the world acts and thinks in accordance with the laws of nature, accordance with the laws of life, accordance with the will of God, depending on if you believe or you're just scientists, you can say, the laws of nature are the will of God. If you're a believer or if you're a scientist, you can say there is evolution and there is structure. And therefore, when you are in tune with those forces and those uh, laws of nature, then suffering is not necessary. So, you know, I take usually an example here. Uh, if you have pain, you say, why should I have pain? Why should there be pain? And we know that a pain is an indication that something's wrong. If you don't have pain, you might put your finger in the fire and burn yourself. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there are genetic diseases that happen where people don't feel pain. They don't have the, the kind of fibers, the kind of structure of uh, nervous system that allows them to feel pain. So they don't feel pain, but uh, without uh, exception, uh, they hurt themselves and they die early. And the reason is uh, they um, don't get the message that they're doing something wrong. So they'll hurt themselves, they'll break things, they'll put their hand on hot things because they don't feel pain. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, you really need it. You need it as an indication that something is not to be done and therefore it's a built-in protection mechanism. So that is how we can look at suffering. Now, in the situation of what we have today in the world, of course, yes. um, we want to ask, so who, who is responsible? What is the mistake? Mm. This is quite unfathomable on the global level. People have to think for themselves and for their own consciousness and feeling um, what can be the reasons. I, I really don't like to come out and say, oh, we have been doing something wrong as humanity is concerned, mm -hmm. or this is a message that is we have to be awakened about the environment and about things, and the world is going too crazy on the outside world, mm -hmm. and maybe there might be genetically engineered things that we have to be careful of. It is awakening us to that. Mm -hmm. There are many, many reasons and logics that one can bring on the surface. What is important, though, in all these things is what we need is higher consciousness on the individual level and on the social level. Higher consciousness means we act in light rather than act in darkness. When we act in darkness, we do mistakes 
uh, we fall upon each other because uh, it's dark. <laughs> when it's dark, you you know you hit things, you don't see the objects, you, you hit people, you don't see them, and you can start fighting and you can do the wrong things because you don't see. Mm. What we need is to raise our consciousness. And we can also raise collective consciousness by having, you know, that has been shown that when large number of people practice these programs of transcending together, they influence the collectiveness, uh, collectivity and create a better collective consciousness. And there are less problems, less, uh, less uh, difficulties, less uh, wars, less conflicts in society, less crime. And there is more prosperity and, and growth towards positive things. So what we need is raise consciousness, which means bring the light so that the darkness of ignorance disappears. And then we all will make better choices and uh, move our society towards a better uh, situation for ourselves and for all the people that we love and even the faraway people that we don't even know. Beautiful. Uh, so in terms of raising consciousness, obviously meditation, uh, are there any other things that those listening in can, can do to quicken the raising of their consciousness? Any practices you can point people to or recommend uh, in terms of the raising of their consciousness? Well, everything that we do has an effect on us and mm -hmm. everything we put our attention on grows stronger in our life. Mm. We need to be rested. We, don't, we should not make decisions that are important when we are tired and stressed. Eat a balanced diet. Uh, avoid things that are confusing to the nervous system, you know, psychedelics and this and that. They can be confusing and take you away from things. Uh, have enough sun, have enough activity, uh, focus on things, organize your life. And above all, transcend, go back to yourself, go back to your, uh, the energy and intelligence that is within yourself. And that's mm -hmm. very simple. The mm -hmm. technique of transcending is extremely easy. It's extremely simple because it's natural. People from the age of four or five, they practice it until, uh, yes. you know, whatever advanced age. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can read about this to understand what is consciousness and full value of awareness because knowledge is also a great purifier. Knowledge allows mm -hmm. us to open our awareness. So when you read about beautiful things, about poetry, when you listen to nice music, balancing things, all of these things are balancing the physiology and balancing the mind. So mm -hmm. reading higher knowledge, understanding life, uh, the big questions in life and how to answer them uh, can be extremely helpful and awakening. But above all, of course, is to directly experience higher consciousness, which is within ourselves, and therefore awaken that reality within us, which, you know, the best technique that I know is transcendental meditation. Love it. I love it. Final question, uh, Dr. Nader. Uh, you, shared, you shared a lot today, so thank you for your generosity. Um, if you were to reflect on your life and everything you've learned, everything you've experienced, life, relationships, career, ups, downs, um, and you were to select, let's say, three of the most valuable, most impactful life lessons from your life that 
if you could only share these these three keys to the next generation that you feel would evolve the next generation the most, your children and grandchildren and so forth, would evolve their consciousness the most. I'm curious to hear what the three wisdoms, three life lessons would be that you would pass on. One thing would be to be open to others and not to be enclosed in one's own small box. Mm. And therefore, to be open that others might have some truth, um, they might be wrong, but also in their opinions and their approaches, that everybody is ultimately searching for more and that there should be a lot of compassion, a lot of patience, a lot of uh, tolerance and understanding. Uh, and of course, uh, that doesn't mean one doesn't have one's own way, one's own belief, one's own approach to things that one can share and discuss, but the uh, openness to always learn and always uh, acquire new knowledge and always have uh, the doors of awareness open for more understanding and more global vision. Uh, this is one aspect that is very important. And as a corollary of this, not to be too self-righteous, which means, mm -hmm. you know, feel like I know the truth and I know the end product and I know everything and this is the way to do it. And there is no other way. And uh, therefore, uh, everybody else is wrong and uh, they should follow my thinking. Mm. <laughs> that prevents you when you are even in a company, in a society, and you have people proposing something that might be of a different nature or a different direction than what you have. Mm. Try to see in it a value of progress that can help you for yourself. Mm. and. Um, Above all, transcend, go beyond the things. Take your time uh, when you are in a situation that is uh, difficult. Uh, don't become a football of situations and circumstances. Mm -hmm. Take a step back and think it through. Trust in yourself, feel your inner being and do the right things uh, based on deep rest. Above all, this is all of this is spontaneously obtained in my experience through transcendental meditation, which help you to uh, morning and evening dive back to that field of quietness and silence within and come out open, clear and peaceful and able to make a change for yourself and think big, think very big because you are big and know you are the unbounded ocean of consciousness and that that is all that is displayed and you are that. So think big, plan big, be good to yourself and to others. Awesome. Folks, you heard it. The three wisdoms and uh, think big. I love that. Think big, plan big, live big, give big, love big. Uh, it's beautiful. We are an unbounded ocean of consciousness. Uh, Dr. Tony Nader, it's been such a privilege, been such an honor. What's the best way people can find out about you and your work and TM organization meditation? And all, obviously, the book I know is out, uh, available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. But uh, if people want to connect with you and find out about your work, how can people do that? 
you know, the internet made everything very easy. <laughs> and so we have to be present there. So there is a site called drtonynader.com. So D-R-T-O-N-Y, Nader, N-A-D-E-R.com. There I speak about myself, my plans, my thinking, and you can also have the book over there. Mm. Read about, uh, you know, consciousness. You can read that book. It's also having my, my lifetime thoughts and experiences and understanding about things. Mm. And you can also, through drconianader.com, you can find the TM Center, a Transcendental Meditation teacher uh, in your locality you can do the search there we have also many other sites depending on where you are uh, one of them is tm.org tm transcendental meditation tm.org and we have a university Marishi international university we have the david lynch foundation so mm. any of these sites you can enjoy and see what are the activities and learn more about all of this and how you can make a change for yourself and for our dear world. Amazing, amazing. Folks, you heard it there. I thoroughly uh, encourage you all to check out drtonynader.com and get uh, his amazing new book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, available now. A uh, very special episode. Thank you, Dr. Nader, for coming on to Soul Talk. Folks, send me an email, Blackson at kublaxon.com. Let me know your key takeaways from today's episode. Definitely, definitely share this episode with everyone that you love and uh, look forward to connecting with you in next week's episode of Soul Talk. Once again, a big thanks to Dr. Tony Nader. Much love, everybody. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.